in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of Topic Thunder. Here from the Top 10 Show, I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nost, and... uh... I haven't the foggiest idea whose turn it is to start this week, but the basic hmm. premise of the show is you guys uh, that support us over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 uh, with the number 10 at the uh, $5 and above level, um, get to send in your questions and we don't know what they are before we get them. It's yeah. a brand new idea and topic to us each and every week. So uh, we look forward to it. And yeah. do you want to start this time? Or is yeah, that sure. Time? Um, all right. This one's from Colson Kuliopoulos, one of our big fans who's been with us for a long time. Hey, Matt and John, I've been watching The Sopranos recently, and I was wondering what your take on that show. Uh, what's your take on that show's ending? Controversial ending notwithstanding, as I feel too much of the conversation is dominated by that scene. Even though shows like Breaking Bad and HBO's The Leftovers affected me more on a personal level, I think The Sopranos has the strongest and most consistent writing of any television show I've ever seen. What has your experience been with the show, and how do you think it compares to other, quote, greatest shows of all time, like Breaking Bad, The Wire, etc.? Well, it's an interesting topical question by Colson, considering Many Saints in New York came out a couple of weeks ago, or three weeks ago. Uh, Matt, what's your response to this one? Um, sadly, I'm defaulting to, I don't think it holds up as well for me. Wow. Is it okay. in the moment? Well, I've gone back to rewatch the series since, and I fast-forward through almost everything to do with his family yep, and a lot of the therapy stuff, even though I think there's a lot of good in there, like some mm-hmm. great scenes, but I kind of already get where we're going with that. Yeah. So I find myself just gravitating towards all the stuff that all the crime stuff that he does. And that's what I want to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, him and Carmela are great, but I hate oh, the yeah. kids. Yeah. Janice drives me up a wall, but I think she's great. I don't fast forward past her. The mom is good, but then there are other times when I'm more than happy to fast forward through the mom. Mm -hmm. Because you get the point. You're like, I get it. She she hates you. Yeah, she's overbearing, and she helped make him the monster that he is, and she doesn't want to take responsibility for that, but yet you have no, you know. Right. Like, I get it. Whereas Uncle Junior, for some reason, I don't consider part of that world Mm -hmm. because he Mm kind of has his feet in both. Yeah, but I because I fast forward through so much of it. The last time I watched it, I was like, "Man, this." Whereas the others that I've gone back to rewatch, I don't fast forward through a single second. It's still just as good to me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is Breaking Bad, The Wire, uh, for me, Deadwood. But I, I realize, that yeah, that's a more acquired taste. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, I still have a few friends that it's their favorite show of all time. Uh, it just doesn't mm-hmm. get anywhere close to where it once did for me. You know, ever since I saw Many Saints of Newark, I've found myself going into these YouTube wormholes, watching multiple scenes from the show. I mean, the other night I was up for an extra hour and a half just watching clips, like three to two to three, four, five minute clips from the show and the conversations and 
and what have you. So to me, it still holds up. To me, I still enjoy the interactions mm-hmm. with all the characters on the show, the the back and forth and the um the uh, the subtle changes in allegiance that are happening, sometimes overt changes in allegiance, but also the the pettiness of all of them, you know, because they're also easily bruised by a perceived uh slight like i was just watching a scene this morning actually no lie where paulie is talking to johnny sack about how tony's been kind of not treating him so well and then even tony has a conversation with was it beansy beansy about like how um uh paulie had that painting up on the wall and it's you know uh, tony thought it was an insult but Mm. paulie meant it because he loved him and so it's when you strip everything away, these are a bunch of sensitive fucking dudes who are constantly uh, worried about how other people are talking to them, uh, representing them, uh, respecting them or not respecting them. It's all throughout this whole thing. And they all of them had a, have a sliding scale of morality, depending on who it is they're going toe to toe with. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so the favoritism there that they show separately uh, and the the at times the obliviousness they have at at how they're mad at another person doing the exact same shit they just did a scene ago to someone else. So it, I just find it fascinating to watch the myriad of um, unself awareness these people have in the things that they're doing overall. And I love that. So that's why it still holds up for me. I, I love the interactions, love the actors, but I agree with you a million percent. If someone with an amazing editor editing ability was able to cut out every scene with the kids. I don't mind the Carmela stuff. Every scene with the kids, yeah. though, cut that out and still make it a cohesive series. I would buy that in a heartbeat on Blu-ray and yeah. just watch it over and over and over again. Because, yeah, Jamie Lynn Sigler and whatever the AJ's kid, whatever the actor's name, they're both so not – I just they do nothing for me when I watch no. them in I the mean, show. They're so annoying. No offense to them as people, but the characters nah, – The way they're written – yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I understand the, you like the trappings of the wealth that your mm-hmm. dad can bring to you, but also once you come of age and understand where that comes from and that yeah. push and pull within you and rebelling and not rebelling and, yeah, you know, all that jazz, but it's just like, I don't, I don't really give two shits yeah. about how the kids are dealing with their mob boss dad. Whereas the wife yeah. dynamic, I think, makes a lot of sense oh yeah absolutely uh but yeah. yeah just i don't know there's a lot there with the family that i don't care for at all and that's one i think matt you know we were talking we just recorded our show um for the um next week as we're doing this i don't know when this well you know sometimes i get confused about when these topic thunders yeah, drop, but comes out two days later okay so we just recorded our show and we talked about how donnie brasco the way into Donnie Brasco is so unusual because it's a foot soldier and it's a loser foot soldier. How come we've never seen a movie that's done well that's through the eyes of the children of mafia people? Do you know what I'm saying? Like the children of someone who is like Tony Soprano or John Gotti or whatever and see what they go through as being children of it. We've seen children in these movies, but we've never seen mm-hmm. an entire movie from their perspective. And that could absolutely be a new way into this, especially because, well, what is the journey you go through as the child? Because you didn't ask to be born to these people, but you are true. the child. How do you negotiate this relationship with a man who's doing the things that he's doing? Well, I mean, I think technically the Godfather. Yeah. Is I mean, kind of, yeah. But, but he's he, already pretty much an adult. Right. 
Right. And I don't that's know what I mean. The, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't care about the angsty teenager that's having trouble with their hormones and what their father does for a living personally. Yeah. So I think that's why we haven't seen it. I don't know how compelling and how much of a draw it is the average person. Yeah. Because yeah, I'd rather yeah. just spend time with the mobsters. Right. Um, yeah. Great point. So not the person that's condemning them because we're already doing that or is right. having trouble understanding because I have trouble understanding uh, how you get into that. Um, right. World. Yeah. Just, yeah. How that's a chosen vocation and then how it's passed down from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like uh, the beginning of Goodfellas. It's the glitz and glamour for Henry Hill. Right. Until right, he gets right. into the reality of you got to kill people. You got to beat the shit out of people. Like you're you're the reason for a lot of pain and sorrow in this world. Yeah. And yeah. becoming okay with that. And then eventually going, yeah, this is something I'd like my son to get into. Like, <laughs> I think my son would be great at this. Yeah. I think this is a good career choice. What? It's a very good point. Um, it's a very good point. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. and most of the times though, what we see is like what you see in Godfather and other things. They want their kids out. They, they yeah. want, I went through the hell of this so I can provide something better for you. So you don't get into it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like uh, in Narcos, the Mexico season one, hmm? where the, the technically the head of that consortium from Colombia. Yeah. And his son becomes a lawyer and whatnot. Eventually, the dad goes to jail and he needs him because he doesn't have anybody else that he can really rely on. But he has done everything he can to get him outside of this. Right. I can't speak to you about these matters because once I do, now you're an accomplice to it and it taints you. Right. You are free and clear of this world and this life. And right. That's what I want from you. Um, and then the son basically demanding to get in thinking that that's yeah. what he should do. Right. Um, well, you know, and they kind of explore that in that, remember that show crime story? I've probably spoken about it on, on the show here, but like that crime story that Stephen Lang in the first season is the son of an, of an attorney general. And, and he's the attorney general there in Vegas. He's the son of a lawyer and he's, he's a lawyer himself. He's attorney general of Vegas trying to capture, um, the bad guy, the bad mafia dude. But then when he realizes that the tactics the police are using are no different than the mafia guys, then he goes over in the second season and becomes a defender of the mafia people and, he's, mm. and becomes their lawyer. And so it's an interesting change of like, oh, you know, what's the truth here if both sides are using these nefarious, dirty tactics in order to achieve their goals? Yeah. You know, so it's an it, it, that was an interesting exploration well, that was a little bit ahead of its time. It's like when Omar's on the stand in the wire. Yeah. The, the lawyer's like, that's who you are. That's what you do. And he's like, you're the same thing. Yeah. You just got your briefcase, but we're all in the game. We're yeah, all we're playing the same game. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, he is, that, that seems true. Flipping I'm not the in the drug game, but what he's saying right now seems very true. Yeah. Yeah. David Simon. Uh, I mean, David Simon deserves so much credit for what he wrote in that, in that yeah. show. You know, it's incredible to see what he um, yeah, uh, my girlfriend is listening to the Wire podcast, the one that, with Jamel Hill, and um, I can't remember oh, the other guy's on the name. Ringer? I don't, I don't know if it's yeah, maybe it's on the Ringer, but she discovered it randomly, and she's like addicted to it because they go through each of these episodes one by one, like an hour and a half per episode, spending time talking about it. So it still holds up for her. She, she's not a Sopranos person, but she's very much a Wire person, and I've never seen Breaking Bad. Uh, I've never seen past the first season, so I've got to settle down one day and just watch that shit yeah the first season is not 
truly indicative of where the show goes, especially the first half of the first season. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. But I don't know. To me, it's still Deadwood in the Wire, some order of one, mm-hmm. two, and then Breaking Bad's kind of in the discussion, but I could see that falling out eventually. Yeah. Um, Game of Thrones until the last two and a half seasons was in that discussion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and the Sopranos early on, but Sopranos has fallen off for me a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't going to be in my camp on this, but I put NYPD Blue up until Bobby dies. Everything up until Bobby dies is some of the greatest television I've ever fucking seen. So um, to me, I put that in contention with those Sopranos, with The Wire, with whatever. I go back and rewatch those episodes all the fucking time. And they've got multiple storylines. They extend out through multiple episodes, arcs, romances, you know, addiction, all that shit. A lot of it gets tackled, and I think it's a fucking great show. And never it gets any. And that's I mean, David Milch was the first few seasons, then went off and did John from Cincinnati, and then went off and eventually did Deadwood, thank God. So, uh, but yeah, that's why I revere it as well. It has the Milchisms all through that fucking first few seasons of the show. Uh, I am operating through the constraints of network television. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. You want to get our next one? Thanks, Colson. Yeah. Thank you, Colson. This one comes from Machine Gun Lemke and says, Hey, guys, <laughs> really enjoyed the episode uh, about music biopics and wanted to note that I think Hulu is doing a Wu Tang bio show, mm-hmm. but haven't gotten to check it out yet. I also wanted to challenge the pair of you to cast your deciding number one picks, which would be Pink Floyd and Beastie Boys. Directors would be fun too. What? So I guess we have to cast those two biopics. Pink Is Floyd that what he's saying? Boys? Cast your deciding. I wanted to challenge the pair of you to cast uh, your deciding number one picks, which yeah. would be Pink Floyd and Beastie Boys. Directors would be fun too. Did Thanks we... for making a 12-hour round trip drive a lot easier. Cast. Oh, is that was that your number? What was your was your number one pick? Beastie Boys or Pink Floyd? Uh, I believe it was Pink Floyd. Beastie oh, so Boys then... was like my five. So then was my one Beastie Boys? I don't remember. I don't think you had Beasties on your list. Oh, I did. Here it is. I'm looking at the top 10 bands who should have a biopic. Beastie Boys was number one for me. Oh, so now he's saying for both of us to cast our films, if we were to get them, and who would direct those films. Shit. Shit. That seems like a lot of work. <laughs> I'm not right, against about, it. How about one cast? How about one cast and maybe a direct, or like one person from the cast and suggest one person from the cast. Um, fuck. If Sandler wasn't sold, he'd have been a perfect Beastie Boy. Yeah, I don't even know which one though. I I yeah. thinking maybe Mike D just because yeah. Mike D has. Like, uh, I don't know. Sandler's not bad. Yeah. You guys think for Floyd, like if you want to do somebody for Sid Barrett, who goes, who like has that mental breakdown. I, I mm. Daniel Day Lewis, but it'd be a small part, so you wouldn't, oh, you wouldn't put Day Lewis. You need somebody to be able to play, yeah, unhinged, in yeah. essence. Uh, I feel like more time with this. What about directors? Can we come up with a director we yeah. like for either of these two? I mean, 
Was it F. Gary Gray who did uh, Straight Outta Compton, or was it yeah. Antoine Fuqua? Okay, I, 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 like- I think it was F. Gary Gray, wasn't it? Okay, okay. What about Spike for a Beastie? Although it's I don't think he would cheat. do it. No, I don't think he would do it. Oh man, I almost want to get a woman as a way. Uh, or I'm sorry, I almost get a woman. I mean to say like that. I mean, I almost want to you know find a female director because of the fact that they like came around and really changed their perception of how they were speaking about women in their lyrics. Okay. I was going to say Catherine Bigelow for Pink Floyd. That would be good. Uh, think. Hold on. Let me see. Young female directors. Maybe even Naya Costa because she just did um, Candyman, which I really liked. And then she's about to do the Marvels movie. She could be really good at it. I think Evan Baird is a little too old to do it. No Lynn, I think it's Lynn Ramsey that did You're Never Really Here. Oh, fuck. But it, I don't know. She's. I, I would assume for the Beasties, but they, hmm. that's all I can really think of that's hers, and that movie's pretty pretty raw. Um, Regina There's, King could be interesting. Sure. I wonder. Yeah, I'm looking through here. Maybe even Emerald Fennell, who just did um, Promising Young Woman. She could be interesting with that. Or Olivia Wilde, even. Oh, maybe Olivia Wilde. I think she did a nice job with um, Booksmart. Okay. I think that's what it's called. So Yeah, it is Booksmart. So I think she'd be interesting to do the Beastie Boys stuff. I think that would be... I think she gets it, how to play that humor in a way that's engaging. So I think I, I think that'd be fun to see if she could do a biopic at that uh, level. I don't know. Brad Cooper to direct Pink Floyd? Oh, that's good. I like that choice a lot. Since he's already done the musician falling down a wormhole. Yeah. Of their own self-despair. Yeah, I think that'd be good. And he, uh, and he wouldn't cast himself. I always, yeah. I'm just saying, like, he's just coming yeah. into direct. Yeah, I like that idea. I'm down with that. Um, okay, should we go to our next one? Since that yeah, was a lot. that one's... Okay. Because I think we just sit here and kind of... Yeah, have to think, and I don't know how that good that is for video or audio. <laughs> no offense, Lemke, but no, it's a great question. question. Good question. Um, all right, your turn. All right, uh, this is from the Chapman family. Love it when the Chapman family writes in. Gentlemen, first let me just say we are deeply sorry for the Australian accent, and we are working very hard at improving it. <laughs> did we slag off saying it's terrible? I, I don't. Remember. I did. I get mad at the Australian accent. <laughs> Um, now my topic for this week, the top 10 and all the adjoining shows have provided a heap of fantastic content over the years, which we as fans all love and appreciate my personal favorite moment, apart from appearing on settle the score was during an episode of the top 10. When you both argued after John mixed up arachnophobia with eight legged freaks, it still makes me laugh to this day. What are the moments that make you laugh when you look back at your time in the top 10 universe? Thanks again. Cheers and take care. Cam Chapman. Like, I don't even remember that battle. Do you remember that battle? I don't remember no, that argument. Not in the slightest. The only thing I remember <laughs> about that is when we took on Riley and yeah, uh, Dan. Yeah. And they thought of arachnophobia. I'm like, I knew it was eight legged freaks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, in that one. So I don't, I don't even know when that, like, what list that would have come up when. That's the thing. I don't, we've been doing it so long. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That they all kind of, uh, blend together so you have to like the the few that we did on collider stick out because they were completely anomalous right in the scope of so like when we got into that uh american war film and we had to go to the judges on the side because we just weren't going to agree on number one yeah dennis Dennis was the deciding vote 
And that it ended great. up so Full Metal Jacket overtook Apocalypse Now because Dennis was two to one on the yeah. the peanut gallery, and uh, I remember that. Dude, um, that show had so much. We had so much potential if they wait. let us do our show with the judges, with uh, Cody and Adam, and you know to see that the what happened with our show in that in their hands. It just was so. So fucked up, man. We could we that we could have been great, you know, for what they were doing. I will say all that aside, because it was years ago and yeah, I just yeah, don't yeah. care anymore. Fair. Plus Collider is pretty much toast at this point. Hmm. Um it's especially in regards to any of that type of on camera stuff, as far as I know. Yes, yes, yes. Uh yeah. Well, I mean, it's pretty much just focused yeah, the on the website is now. still running strong and, and yeah. doing reviews and interviews and all that stuff, but I'm saying yeah. Having a YouTube presence. presence. Right, right, right. They've kind of uh, given up on that. Yeah. yeah. Which, talking to uh, people from you know that era and whatnot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the website always generated much more in terms yes, of revenue it did. and traffic and whatnot. Well, also, uh, and let's be real, the website didn't want to work with us the, on the video side on a lot of things. I don't care what they say now. Oh, I didn't know that. Vision is history, they say now. They did not want – there was division – between the people on the site and the people on the video side, they hated us and they'll probably claim they didn't, but I know I was there. There were a number of discussions about how they didn't want to work with us. They had issues with it. Perry had to broker the piece at times. Haley had to broker the piece at times. That was the situation. Frosty didn't give a fuck. And so it just was a constant battle. So we, we couldn't get the kind of, cause we would run a video and then they put an article up and it's like, it's the same thing we just put. So people are just going to – it's going to undercut both audiences to have it on there, and they wouldn't budge on it half the time. So, yeah, it was a and, – and Mark was so incompetent in trying to get people to kind of work together. It was just a frustrating situation. If you had a harder hand to say, you fucking do this or you're fired, that's a whole – that's the way it should have been from the beginning to force everybody onto the same page and make us go in one direction – the problem was we were constantly going in multiple different directions and different people thought they were in charge of different things at different times. And it was frustrating. It was like, I was watching the nine 11 thing that um, Spike Lee did the epicenters thing. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how, when they first started cleaning up the, the, the damage, it, like 35 different people thought they were in charge. And it was a constant like battle over who was in charge of what, and people just assumed natural charge who were not even at the ranking that they should have been, and the people who were at that ranking didn't want to be in charge of certain stuff. So it was a constant like battle over who the hell was doing what and why, and it reminded yeah. me so much of of Collider as well. It was such a, you know, it was uh, just two just people going in multiple different directions, and there wasn't a strong enough hand to make everybody get on the same fucking page and go forward. You know, yeah. So yeah, and I think that's. Part of why our show, like so, Mark thought it would be a good idea. And then when we got there, here are all the ways that we can neuter your show. And it's like, well, why the fuck are we doing it? You know? Yeah. Like, well, that was, it was a while ago, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. For that, I don't, you know, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Can't change it now. But one thing I do love about all that nonsense is mm. we get axed. And then magically, another show that looks kind of like a show that just got taken <laughs> off. And mm-hmm. the people that were like, look, if you were just going to do this, why'd you get rid of the other show? Right. This isn't as good. I, and some people were like, I wasn't even a fan of the other show, but it was way better than this. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? I appreciate it. The backhand compliment. Me on too. That. 
Me too. Uh, and the the person that was the face of that was also the face of us getting next. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, I never didn't really have many interactions with that individual. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably for the better. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I always loved. I remember that first week, and I I did. I wanted to go see the comments, and I was like, "Wow, I can't believe they. That just <laughs> seems so stupid. They At least wait pieces. a little time." Yeah. Yeah. They tore it to pieces. And I, I was loving it because I was working at the time, you know, working there. Um, at oh, the, yeah, so, like, so watching the comments come in, I just kind of would smirk and smile inside going, yeah, you guys didn't know, didn't know how the fuck they didn't know. They lo- love launching shows. They didn't know how to support the fucking shows. And it just was uh, so frustrating. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, but I mean, there were numerous, the, oh yeah. The yeah. Tom Hanks show was a good one. Yeah, it uh, was. Yeah. Mance I mean, I, having to cut Mance off. I got chastised <laughs> for that online. Like, why do you even invite him on if you're just going to tell him to shut up and be like, well, because we were told to keep it. we have to finish in an hour. And Scott was like, here, yeah. just, just seven more things. And you're like, Scott, <laughs> I want to hear all seven things. I I love yeah. trivia. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but we have to move on, man. Yeah. Okay, but seriously, though, at least one more thing. 1974. Oh. My friends, yeah, exactly. Steve James and I. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. there was a production hiccup and they had only allotted money for, and you're like, I don't give a flying fuck right now because we're under a hard cap on time here. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, all those yeah. stick out. Cause otherwise it's when we do it, we have the freedom yeah. to do whatever we want. Yeah. Um, no, we've had some fun times. Certainly he, the, the heat stuff was funny. The, the, mm-hmm. the, the boat was in the water stuff. People bring up all the time, our laser nipples and chimp strong or monkeys, whatever it was. Those yeah, are great. Chimp strong. Jim Strong, right. That Laser was for nipples. Robin Williams. I remember that. That's right. That's right. His hairy forearms. <laughs> and then I can't remember what, but I was like, Laser like Jim Strong. Yeah. But I, Laser I, Nipples, I remember, was for the movie Dope. Did you ever see that about the young kids in oh, L.A. that get into yeah. the drug game, kind of? Rick Famuyama. Oh, yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. just like, I'm excited that there's a movie of, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with people shooting lasers out of their nipples. <laughs> Uh, well, hence my, I haven't finished what if just like, even now I'm yeah. still, it's a lot of superhero stuff to consume. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's, you know, <laughs> that's not going away anytime soon. Hopefully this Marvel pushback helps a little bit, but that's yeah. the Falcon show is set to come out or not Falcon, but the Hawkeye, Hawkeye show, Yeah, which I don't give two shits about that. Wow. Okay. It looks I, I, great. The trailer looks great. It's the most boring Avenger character. Do we wow. really need a television show from Hawkeye? Wow. Well, it's based well, on the Matt say, Fraction wow, like run. you're friends with Renner. No, I'm saying it wow because the Matt Fraction run is one of the most revered runs in comics. And okay. it revitalized Hawkeye from what you said, the most boring Avenger, into someone who's way more interesting. And if you've read the Matt Fraction run I and you not. know they're basing it on the Matt Fraction run, that gets you excited. And certainly the trailer showcases that. So that's why I said, oh, wow, because... You, you, I think you, I don't think you, I'm going to assume you haven't read the Mad Fraction run because no. I was with you. I'm with you. I thought Hawkeye was a really useless, boring character. No matter how much they tried to, to Jimmy, Jimmy him up as a West Coast Avenger. And I loved West Coast Avengers. Um, yeah. It wasn't until the Mad Fraction run that I was like, oh, okay, here's someone who understands the potential of this character and what you, where you can go with it. So, okay. Well, I'll says. be amazed. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe because he's a dude that shoots arrows. <laughs> Yeah, but this is a grounded story. This is very much like I know on the street doing with a tenement building the whole. Series. But in the context of every time he shows up in Avengers movie or anything else, it's mm. like you are so vastly inferior. 
eventually they had to turn him into like a almost super soldier ish. Yeah, Ronan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's just like, Samurai. okay, well, now we're completely changing the character because you realize how feeble he is in the context of all these other people that can fly and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, at least Black Widow had that from day one. So she's like this trained from a young age assassin and has all the skill set that is unique to her. And it's like, I fire mm-hmm. arrows. I don't give a flying. <laughs> um, and yeah. we already have one mortal that's not suited up in this. Yeah. Um, cause Iron Man has obviously technological advances. So to have two, just like, well now compare and contrast, she destroys you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I guess maybe it makes it more grounded in reality. I don't know, but I'm not looking forward to that one. Yeah. If it's really good, I'll watch it. But if it's just so, so uh, that's fair, that's fair. Um, yeah. And in our live shows, I think there's a lot of fun moments in our live shows for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the English stuff, the England was a lot of uh, the English show and the Chicago show were both a lot of fun for the live stuff that we were doing for sure. And the great gifts and stuff like that people would send us for sure. Yeah. Still use quite a few of those. Um, (laughs) There you go. I got a mug that uh, I I think it was our very first gift. I still have it. Oh yeah. Yeah. You must have all our stuff is with you, right? All of our, like all the stuff. It's sitting in a box in storage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Coins, the, the starting lineup uh, Olympic team, the yeah, yeah, all that it's sitting in a box. Um, just because my house is so small, I have nowhere to put it. Right, right, right. Um, well, we'll put it at the top ten museum once we open that one day. <laughs> well, I've sent some of it to the Smithsonian. <laughs> uh, yeah. They asked for it. I'm sure they did. Yeah, I'm sure they did. They well, once they pulled the Cosby sweater out, they're like, "We got to get rid of this. We got to put something here." They were like, well, we should make room for the next wave of media, and we're part of that, a new generation of entertainment. Yeah. I think is what that wing is called. Yeah, yeah. Right next to Mark Maron's beard. Yep. Um. <laughs> it's beard, corduroy jacket, and glasses. And it's like, hey, I know that. Um, is it Ira Glass? Is that his name on NPR? Yeah. His, his glasses will be there. Yep. Um. Whole, a whole slew of people. Joe Rogan's horse dewormer. Oh Lord! Oh my! It's right God. there, along with <sighs> the rest. Dude, he is. I don't know where he's at now, dude. He's although technically, I guess it. What? <coughs> he's so far out there, dude. Whatever. I don't even want to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, all right. Well, there you go. I think this is a good way. We're at 30 minutes. We should cut it here. Thank you all so much for the, um, the stuff you've sent in, all the questions that you sent in. We had a great time answering them. Thanks Chapman family. Thank you, Lemke, and thank you, Colson Coleopolis. Uh, Matt, what do we have to tell them? Uh, if you would like to participate in the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10 and uh, submit your topics today. There's an email address over there for our patrons uh, that only they can see. So please join us. We'd love to have you. And I think that's it. You can follow the yeah. show at Top 10 Show and on Twitter and on Instagram and YouTube. It is forward slash the top 10 podcast with the number 10. So please hit us up on those and follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. And follow me at the Roka says on Twitter and on Instagram. All right, we're out of here and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of topic. Thunder. Thunder.